0: This is The Shift with Drex, On Demand.
1: Welcome to The Shift Daily Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's a daily bite-sized morsel of our four-hour middle-of-the-night program. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show, and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. The Shift Daily Podcast starts right now.
0: The Big Lead on The Shift.
1: Uh, Today, the city of Beirut attempted to pick itself up after two tremendous explosions knocked it to its knees, literally killing more than 100 so far and leaving thousands uh, injured. The Canadian government has announced it will provide $5 million in aid to Lebanon and Beirut uh, as a two-week state of emergency. It's believed that a fire ignited two different explosions. The first assumed, uh, the first consumed a fireworks factory. The second was a stash of ammonium nitrate. Lebanese port officials are under house arrest, partly because of the fact. Why would you put fireworks next to ammonium nitrate? Let's talk about that. Crystal Singh illustrates the devastation left by the disaster and the allegations of negligence that is to blame.
0: The debris field, still being searched, stretches for kilometres and the work is grim. Down every street, boulders of concrete, mangled metal and broken
2: glass.
0: (laughs) The shop owner says, I lived through the war and tough circumstances, but I never saw something like this before. Isra Zablani was in downtown Beirut, happily posing for a video in her wedding dress when the blast happened. 2,700 tons of ammonium nitrate exploded, but it's not clear what caused the blast. According to Lebanon's Prime Minister, Hassan Diab, it's been stored at the port for years. The shipment was traveling from Georgia to Mozambique in 2013, but the vessel made an unexpected stop at the port because of mechanical issues. The delay was long, and the crew eventually abandoned the ship. There are reports that port officials wrote several letters requesting government authorities deal with the potentially dangerous material. The president is vowing to hold those responsible to account. Pending an investigation, all port officials have been put under house arrest a move that comes amid allegations of negligence it's
2: speechless really i can't i can't say much uh, except that um, you know we feel so sorry for the losses that we uh, we had
0: taking in the destruction beirut's mayor says the city can come back in time but rebuilding would cost millions and lebanon is virtually broke unemployment is around 50% and now tens of thousands are homeless with the country's main port destroyed there are more questions about the food supply. Habib Bantai is a writer with Beirut um, Report. So living, he compares uh, the country to a pool with no lifeguard. Uh,
1: no, uh, there's no government, really. Um, it's, uh, and, and, uh, and, and,
2: and then you throw a massive mushroom cloud bomb into the whole thing. I mean, it's just unreal.
0: Ziblani and her husband returned to the site of their unforgettable wedding shoot.
3: I was shocked. I was, I was wondering what happened. How, am I going to die? How am, how am I going to die?
0: So many lives were lost, and many more have been shattered. Crystal Gamansin, Global News, London.
1: Did you see the video of the, that wedding shoot online? It was remarkable.
4: Not the wedding shoot, but um, I didn't see that. But I did see um, a map today which i think i tagged you in on twitter to bring it to your attention oh that uh, was, wow you tagged me on yep yeah and it's incredible it was a the circumference of um of uh the the area affected by the blast and it's so much bigger than i thought like windows were blown out 15 miles away and that this person on who posted this image on twitter um said well for you know westerners or whatever for our context they did the same thing on new york or london and if it was in new york it would be all the way in uh newark and if it was in london it'd be twickenham where like damage was you know reported it's a huge huge area
1: yeah i see that now i see the comment you tagged me in the comments on it it is a massive area that goes yeah. way way out the uh the bride in the photo it was it was beautiful it was stunning because her dress you know uh, wedding dress white it's just perfect right and it was this big long train and the photographer was doing uh, the photo shoot in one of those super spectacular angles, well lit, uh, dresses spread out with the train long. It's perfect. Like it is magazine perfect layout. Uh, she looks perfect and it's just stunning. And then, and he's kind of working his way around as photographers do this side and that side, taking the photos. Then all of a sudden the blast goes and you see her dress just oof, this way. Uh, she was okay because they ran away, but you. You have to imagine this train is all laid out perfectly, long and just beautifully, and then all of a sudden the whole dress just goes that way from the concussion of the blast. It's worth looking at. It's absolutely uh, mind-blowing how that that went, for sure. Here back at home, Canada's Lebanese community is scrambling to reach loved ones uh, in the devastated Beirut. As Mike Drolet reports, the blast has also triggered difficult memories because of Lebanon's past struggles.
5: (laughs) There was a moment of uncertainty as the lights went out at this church. And then all hell broke loose. People scrambled for cover, grabbing screaming children. I don't want to die, they yelled. And as videos like these were uploaded, Lebanese Canadians scrambled to call their families overseas. Rima Mamari has over 30 relatives in Beirut alone. They all survived, but not without some tense moments. Her cousin's husband had to climb past bodies to get to his parents' apartment.
3: He has to pull them out from underneath uh, rubble and glass. And because his, his mom in particular was uh, injured so badly, he had to carry her down 10 flights of stairs to put, him, put her in his own car and, and
6: get her to a hospital that would take her.
5: Mamari, like so many others, says she felt helpless living an ocean away. And for Lebanese-Canadians over the age of 30, pictures of the aftermath brought back some bad memories.
4: When I looked at the video and I saw how the explosion happened, it reminded me and it gave me a big flashback to a lot of things that... I thought I'm over it, I thought I'm not going to be there anymore, but clearly it's not.
5: Mohamed Faqe remembers when Beirut was a war zone during the Civil War in the 1980s. And then in the 2000s more conflict this time with israel the lebanese sadly are used to picking up the pieces but this time might be more difficult even before the pandemic it was a country crippled with debt poverty and political corruption so extreme lebanese canadians aren't sure where to send relief money
4: people in lebanon have been already thinking how are we gonna do this day by day they haven't really thought of like the next 5-10 years, especially with the pandemic going on. So at this point, like, it's just a matter of survival.
1: Mike Trillac, Global News, Toronto. A Winnipeg woman is currently visiting family in Lebanon. She's mourning the loss of two cousins. This is Joe Scarpelli.
7: Whoa! Jamili DeLanc's 16 and 22 year old cousins are among the more than 100 dead following yesterday's explosion in Beirut.
2: We were just talking a couple days ago and then all of a sudden they're gone. The phone dropped out of my hand when my
7: aunt was telling me. DeLanc was born in Winnipeg. She's been in Lebanon for a year and a half visiting family. She lives about an hour from Beirut and was at home during the explosion.
2: The house was shaking and I was screaming. It was like, uh, like I was panicking. I thought that I was going to die from the shaking of the house. Like, I thought it was an earthquake. Her family back home in Winnipeg is still in shock. You kind of feel like it's a dream, and it's not.
7: Susanna Tassi says Lebanon needs help and is asking Manitoba to support the relief efforts.
2: Go through uh, MIA online, uh, Manitoba Islamic Association, just donate to Lebanon Relief Fund. Rescuers in
7: Beirut continue looking for bodies and survivors while an investigation is underway as the Lank remains on edge.
6: I'm scared. I'm really, really scared and it's frightening.
1: Joel Scarpelli, Global News. And in Montreal, their Lebanese community is also in mourning. This is Phil Carpenter.
6: Flora Diabercurli's family is originally from Damascus. Today, her heart is in Beirut. On Tuesday, an explosion rocked that city, ripping apart buildings and motor vehicles several blocks from the source. The blast killed at least 100 people and injured thousands more, including members of her own family in the Ashrafia district, more than two kilometers away. They were not really close to the explosion, but they still had um, massive, massive um, damage to their home. Every window in the house blew out, slicing into the people inside. They had some glass in on their head, on their chest. Luckily, the injuries weren't serious enough to require hospitalization. Others weren't so lucky. Former Montreal businessman Nazar Najarian was among those killed. He had moved back to Lebanon to become a politician and was a secretary-general of the country's Kataeb party. Lebanese Montrealers who knew the man respected him.
7: Create employment in Montreal. He
2: created employment here. He hired uh, Canadians to work in his beautiful uh, retail store.
6: Others in the community say it's hard to come to terms with what happened. Nancy Shaho knows the blast area well.
0: I work there, I walk the streets. It's it's not going to be the same when I go back to visit.
6: Her family wasn't injured.
0: Physically, everybody's safe. Mentally is another story.
6: She says the country has suffered.
0: Because the people there have been going through so much. Uh, The economic situation over there is devastating and the people are having a hard time to eat.
6: She says the port, the transit point for much of their food, is gone.
0: So now prices are going to skyrocket even more and it's going to be even worse for them.
6: Now her attention and that of the community is focused on picking up
0: the pieces, trying to help. Already we have a program with the, between the Canadian Red Cross and the Lebanese Red Cross where people they can donate money and this money will go, go immediately to the Lebanese Red Cross.
6: Shaho says it's urgent. The painted rainbows on her front window for COVID-19 now means something else.
0: Right now, yes. I think Lebanon needs those rainbows. They need it more than ever.
6: Phil Carpenter, Global News, Montreal. Such a good point
1: that I don't think anybody naturally thinks of. Um, it devastated and just obliterated the port. And if that's where the food comes in, I mean, that's all new infrastructure. Holy cow. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. Can we do some okay What do you say, fellas? Do some are you okay yeah it's just about that time it is about that time are you
3: okay
1: are you okay with a new who's the boss
3: you mean the t- like
1: the television show well yeah like what do you have uh let's play the theme here so we can get to refresh everybody's brains
7: there is more to life than what you're living so take a chance and face the way
1: But that takes me back. All right, Who's the Boss? Uh, coming back. The story goes like this, um, that uh, Tony is coming back, and Sam is coming back, but not everybody is going to be coming back. Alyssa Milano, Tony Danza, they're coming back to the show, and um, well, are you okay with that? Are you okay with a new reboot of Who's the Boss?
3: I mean, it's it makes sense that you know, in the past sort of decade, maybe even longer, just sort of bringing back old television shows, you know, to varying degrees of success. Like they brought back Mammy Vice and they brought back MacGyver, um, which, I mean, you can't beat the original MacGyver, by the way. Yeah, but I like the new MacGyver. Magnum P.I. is excellent. Magnum P.I., yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's... I guess it's just time for who's the boss. I mean, I guess they skipped over Dukes of Hazard and Hogan's Heroes. And well, uh, Dukes of Hazard's not coming movie. back.
1: The whole Confederate flag <laughs> thing is a
3: problem. Oh yeah, that's a bit touchy, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Um, you know what else
3: was um, was? Uh,
1: I mean, Hawaii Five O reboot went ten years, man.
3: Yeah, that that one like really knocked me sideways when uh, all of a sudden I was getting the clip for the final episode. That was a really heartbreaking moment when Steve Stebbing, uh, our movie guy brought I that know. up. Did you hear the tear fall from my eye? Well, it was such a bonding moment for you and your children and oh, I just uh I love that show. Uh, yeah, my heart fell into my boot. Oh, it was very sad. Anyway,
1: um when we look at I I think there's going to be a spin-off. I think there's going to be like a Hawaii 50. They're just going to call it 50 or something like that. And um it's going to be something like that because that guy who replaced um um what's his dingles? now? I forgot his name. Um oh, yeah, Steve, that guy on the that show. <laughs> Yeah, the guy from that thing. Uh, the guy who replaced him in the last couple of episodes, you know, he was the fill-in guy. I mean, he's a pretty macho dude. I think they're going to do a spin-off on that one. They have to. It was too successful. Anyway, who's the boss? Um, Tony and Alyssa say they're going to come back. Uh, they've invited back the, the lady who he worked for. Um, oh, now I've lost her name. Well, remember Mona. Mona passed away years ago. So Mona's not coming back. I'm not quite sure. If um, if uh, it's going to be the same without Mona there, because Mona was, uh, you know, she was she was the the flirty one who always caused the trouble. Judith Light was the other character. Angela, Angela. Um, <laughs> that was that sounded more like Alf, didn't it? But um, was Angela was the one. And he was the employer and he's not back. He was the romantic interest. They were falling in love by the end of it. So, so she's not
3: confirmed. Okay. So, I mean, I know is probably absolutely zero about this television show. Um, I okay. think maybe maybe it comes down to uh, like it it just never was on television when I was watching television. Um, yeah, or born. It, well, or born, right? Like I was familiar with Tony Danza, you know, from the sh- yeah. So, can you explain to me, Shane, what the plot of Who's the Boss was? I can. Thank
1: you, Matt so there was a story about a character named angela she was very very successful business lady and she was a single mom and so she was struggling at home her mom lived out in the garage in the back and she had this big giant house because she was so successful executive type and she hired a a, a new maid if you will Uh it turns out that tony danza was the maid tony was a guy and he came in and he uh, took care of the house so he was uh reversed roles back way back in the 80s. He was the housekeeper. And he was allowed to have a room there. And his daughter moved in, which was Alyssa Milano as well. And they uh, they basically lived there. And for years and years and years on the show, they raised their kids together, uh, two separate families inside that show. Now, here's the thing, Tony and Angela, they flirted like crazy, they dated other people, but they could never find love. And right towards the very end, they started to sort of come together. And then the show ended. So it um. It was going to be, um, it was, it was going to be amazing with Tony and Angela. So I think they should be together. I think bring Tony and Angela together. It would be awesome. Does that make sense now? You feel better?
3: Well, yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of folks out there who, well, like, well, the reason to bring any, back any television show is, I mean, nostalgia, obviously. But you know, when you bring back the show and you have some of the original actors, it has a whole other level of investment, I imagine.
1: God, it's so good. I just I think it's so awesome when they come back. I mean, this is this will be a good one, but I think Tony and Angela got to be together. 877-399-9898. Uh your text, your calls is Alf going to be coming back. I sure hope Alf comes back. Uh thank you for your text. I don't. Uh it was fun to watch once. It was a stuffy alien um that walked around um and uh I mean <laughs> when you look back at some of the shows we used to watch. My goodness, Alf um, well, the one thing about um, the who's the boss, though, uh, was you know with Tony and Angela, it was one of the first ones that really had the angst with the couple that couldn't be together or wouldn't be together or wouldn't admit their love for one another, and that you know it's carried on in many, many um, play playlines since. Uh, Aaron texts in, he says, "Anything with Alyssa Milano? Anything with Alyssa Milano is okay with me. Huge crush when I was young, around the same age." I'd watch it," says Aaron.
3: I really liked Alyssa Milano in uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger motion picture Commando. Yes. Oh yeah, um, she played yeah. his daughter. She was your young crush? Um, it wasn't exactly a crush, but I just I just thought she you know did really well in that movie. She was only I don't know maybe ten or eleven, um, but she played Arnold's daughter, uh, and then of course Arnie blew up a whole bunch of stuff, and it was awesome. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, he was very much the same time. So imagine that with less throwing saw blades at people's heads and um, more housekeeper, giant, rich people house. Very similar role.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't have a television, but I'm sure it'll entertain folks that do. There you go.
1: <laughs> I wish they would bring back Moonlighting, Catherine says. I don't know. Um, that one I would pass on too. I would pass on Elf, I would pass on Moonlighting. Uh, Dallas would be another one I'd pass on. I don't think you could do the JR Ewing one again. I think you could do Who's the Boss? All right. 877-399-9898. Your calls, your texts are also welcome here. Uh, are you okay? Let's continue to dig into the are you okay bolts. Are you okay with the media snooping on private house parties if they breach social distancing rules?
3: Hmm. I mean, uh, we're talking like helicopters. Oh, I mean, as a member of the media, like, I do probably sound biased when I say this. Like, if it's in the interest of public safety, then I'm okay with it. Yeah. See, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think I'm okay with that one.
1: Correct.
4: What's that? Do you have a fan it. on,
3: by the way, Chris? In your in your me? room?
4: Your channel's really no. noisy. No, no, I've got nothing going on. I can disconnect and reconnect if you like, but there's nothing going on here. That, that's that okay. Oven back there? I, I feel
3: like if I lose you, then I'll also lose Shane, and then it'll just be me. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants that. That yeah, could be my computer fan. Oh uh, yeah, no,
4: I, I. Oh, actually, maybe it's my computer fan. My computer's running real hot. Tell a look. Oh, it might be that. I'm going to move away from my computer. Um, what was the it question? It could be mine. running hot too. Snooping on mansions? Um, nah, no, nah, I'm not okay with it. I think I think we've all kind of forgotten what happened in. Um, oh God, how long ago was it in, in England when all those tabloids were part of that hacking scandal, and yeah, they all went to court, hmm. and then we all forgot about it It Winter. went in the memory hole. Um, yeah, I just I don't I don't trust us. Really? Um, I, yeah, I don't no. I, trust us. I would prefer they did, I would prefer the media just, you know, just calmed everything down rather than hyped everything up. It would be my preference. Yeah. yeah. All right.
1: Let's hear the clip and hear what the story's all about.
0: Sky Nine live over Beverly Crest tonight, where the LAPD has responded to a large party happening right now at a mansion. As you can see, large gatherings are banned under the county's coronavirus health order.
2: What we're seeing here from Sky 9 appears to be dozens and dozens
1: of people at this party. We're told there's a food truck there as well as a DJ. A uh, few, if any, masks or social distancing going on. You see the police officers there. We understand this is a gated mansion just off of Mulholland Drive, LAPD, on the street outside of the gate. We'll continue to follow this story and find out if they're handing out any citations uh, for this behavior or not. We'll continue to follow that here on KCAL 9 so that video was a helicopter flying over a very very large house shooting footage down on the patio in the pool of their private property does that change your opinion
4: well i think now i'm not really okay with anything about this you know i think i'm not okay with you know people having a party and you know spreading COVID around and i'm not really okay with helicopters um, snooping on it and I'm not really okay with cops outside I'm not really okay with any of it I think none of it mm-hmm. should be happening I like this one are you
1: okay with your neighbors leaving you a letter complaining about your kids
3: uh I, yeah I mean I don't have children myself but if I did if someone left me a letter complaining about them I might have to have a talk with uh, with Matt Jr Matt Jr Shreds Jr Shreds Jr be like hey nice. son what's up yeah what's happening
1: all right chris what if are they uh, potato complaining chip about? gilbert if potato chip gilbert is uh is causing trouble
4: well i mean exception. it depends so like a litter right so if if potato chip gilbert burned down the garage then and they left me a litter about it i'd be like oh okay then this that's quite an underreaction But if if potato chip Gilbert was just like walking around in the backyard, like catching mice, like being a cat in the world, and they wrote a letter complaining about all the dead mice piling up and, you know, whatever, I'd be like, you know what? That's not so cool. They're a cat. It's what cats do. So it really depends on the context for me. Potato
1: chip Gilbert. Potato chip Gilbert. Potato chip
4: Gilbert. All
1: right. Yeah. Um, Well, let's hear the clip before we decide what's going on here.
2: On a warm, sunny summer day, 10-year-old Maddox and 7-year-old Gavin love playing outside. And they've been spending a lot of time in their yard in light of the pandemic.
3: We are home way, way more than normal.
2: The Jones family moved to the French Creek area north of Parksville about a year ago. This past week, they got two anonymous letters, both in the same envelope, captioned, Regarding your noisy children. We were definitely
3: surprised. I guess I was super shocked uh, that someone was um, finding our kids obnoxious.
2: The letters say the noise from your children is unbearable. They say we like to hear children at play but yours are obnoxiously loud and all we hear is a constant screaming match. Another section says no doubt you've realized that you've moved into a neighborhood of retired people. Do you hear any noise from anyone else? I didn't think so.
1: I went and talked with my close neighbors right after I got the letters and Everybody said, no, everything's fine. I don't know where that letter would have came from.
2: A neighbor says he got an anonymous letter about his dog being loud four years ago. Nothing came of it, and he says the kid's noise doesn't bother him.
0: Not a bit, no. These kids are outside having a good time. They're not sitting there playing video games or, you know, just going down that rabbit hole. So it's good to hear them outside for sure.
2: The Jones say they do tell their kids to keep the noise down at times, but there also needs to be a balance.
1: We want to be uh, respectful of everybody's time and, and um, be, be quiet for everybody. Uh, but it goes both ways. They also should be understanding about this is different times. Um, kids aren't at camp, kids are been cooped up, they haven't been able to go visit friends
3: or play dates or any of that. So. They're a little pent up and probably a little louder than normal, too.
2: The Jones say they would prefer if the complainants would approach them in person and establish a dialogue so they can talk about solutions and better understand each other.
3: Yeah, that's like, I don't know. That's like leaving a note when not cool. someone doesn't wash the dishes in the office.
1: <sighs> well, I'm so torn on this because I, um, if my kids are up to something, yes, I would like the neighbors to tell me. Because it takes a village. So I'm, I'm all for that part of it. But I would also say that um, leaving a note about complaining about noise. So you got to have the nuts to come up and have that conversation. I've got to live in a townhouse. So I have a neighbor a couple of doors down and their kid is the most obnoxious kid. And he yells everything like he is unable to play without yelling. And uh, it's like a laneway between the townhouses. So he's about four, da- four doors down and it is so loud, even with the windows closed, uh, it will wake you up he's a shrieker, everything he does. Now, I don't know, maybe there's something going on there with that kid. And he just he just yells all the time. But his parents don't do anything. And his parents are also particularly loud. In fact, they were uh, running a pressure washer at 1230 at night <laughs> off their deck
4: <laughs> That's uh, a couple of nights ago. That's obnoxious. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so like that part.
1: so there's a pattern there, right? So at that point, you kind of like well, and I went to sell my neighbor behind him. I'm like, dude, you're more because he always sits in the back with his, you know, garage door open. Uh, sitting outside and and you know reading the paper, and I always said, "Dude, you are way more patient than me." Um, but we gotta we gotta tell these people. So, it's not like it's fun kid play. It's literally the kid shrieks everything.
4: But but with this with that kid and also the kids in the story, what are you gonna do? Like, get the child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang with a big net and a lollipop and just send them around the neighborhood, like scooping up the kid. Like, it's it, the kids. And but I'm across the street there's... from
1: a school. And the school, is, the school is not as loud, and the announcements over the PA are not as loud as this kid shrieking.
4: But it's a, it's a kid, like, look, don't shriek, kid. That's all you can do. And the kid's like, oh, ah, yes. you know, like, oh, is it shrieking oh, I'm kid. All for,
1: I'm all for kid sounds. I'm all for kids playing. I mean, the school is awesome. The kids in the playground and the yelling and everything else, it's amazing. But this is different. This is not kids playing. This is a shrieker. <laughs> anyway, we got to take a break. I got to figure that out because clearly it makes me... This is the Shift Daily Podcast. It came out a few days ago that some onions have been recalled. I was surprised by this. I walked into the grocery store, it was a Loblaws store, and I was looking for white onions, in fact, not red onions. Now, at the store, they didn't have any, and I I had said to the guy, You know, I'm looking for jalapenos, I'm looking for some white onions. And, uh, the gentleman in the produce department is like, well, just so you know, uh, have you bought any red onions lately? And I said, well, no, I haven't. Why what's up? And he told me about the recall on red onions, which I found weird because there was nothing posted in the store. So if that coincidentally, cosmically, if you will, um, if he hadn't been there and told me that, I would never have known. Then I saw the news articles, so on and so forth. There has been a recall on Red Onions. Now that has been expanded. So I have some questions about this, and the gentleman that we've invited to talk about it and help is uh, Sylvain Charlebois. He joins us uh, via phone, taking some time out of his family vacation, by the way, for this conversation. So thank you very much for that, Sylvain.
7: My pleasure, Shane.
1: So, um, your background, uh, cause you're a professor, um, and you talk about food distribution, food policy and everything else, right? I mean, so this is, um, uh, this is remarkable. Dalhousie university. So how are we doing here? Cause can you help me out? What happened uh, in this particular story? Is it all red onions? Cause my understanding was they pulled all red onions. There's 17 cases of salmonella because of this. Um, what happened here?
7: Well, I can understand why it can be confusing for for consumers. Uh, I, the recall, uh, the Category One recall, which is uh, which means it's it's a national recall, uh, actually uh, includes several varieties. Most of them are red onions coming from California. So if you bought a uh, if you bought onions from Canada or elsewhere, you, you're fine. The problem with these recalls is that it, grocers. And even consumers won't take a chance. They'll just throw onions away <laughs> just because they don't know all the facts and details, which is really uh, a bit of a problem in Canada because it really generates a lot of waste. Uh, we, we are th- throwing out right now uh, perfectly uh, good onions right now, whether it's uh, by grocery store managers or by consumers. And so, and we're in the middle of summer too. And uh, and right now, a whole lot of people aren't necessarily following the news. As you just mentioned, you walked into the store, didn't know much about the recall, and they told you that something was something was going on. And, and typically, recalls tend to expand, as what we're seeing right now with onions. So people may say, "Well, we're looking at a recall affecting a few varieties. What about the uh, another subsequent?" announcement telling me now that I've just bought an onion that that is no longer good. So it really gets confusing, especially right now with with lots of noise related to COVID.
1: Yeah, um, Global has reported it's from Thompson International in California. It was initially only red onions that day that I was there, I couldn't find a white onion. So I got a yellow onion. So now it's possible that I have to take that back. And uh, now, I did make salsa out of the yellow onion. And so now that seems to have been okay. Um, nobody got sick from that. So is this a situation where, because you see often at the grocery store, especially with something like onions, the grocer will take a box of onions, they dump them in the display, and when it gets low, they'll put in more. And it doesn't mean they're all coming from the same place when they're mixed in that display, I'm assuming. So that would be why this sort of cross-pollination toss-it-all theory would be there. Is that the only way to keep it food safe?
7: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, typically people will eat onions in the summer without cooking it. Salmonella and E. coli aren't necessarily dangerous uh, bacteria because you can actually cook it, cook it out. Uh, And you see E. coli and salmonella cases affecting ground beef, for example. Um, Last year we had lettuce being affected by, by E. coli. That's a bit of a problem because most people actually don't cook lettuce. And lettuce is a high volume commodity. A lot of people actually do eat lettuce. Onions are are an odd commodity because not a whole lot of people do eat onions. It's not one of those most popular uh, commodities out there. Uh, people will uh, enjoy onions in the summer, of course, but they won't cook them. And it's not a whole lot of people who do enjoy onions. So when, there is a, when there's an investigation related to food safety, uh, we're never... Uh, sure that onions are the culprit because uh, there are so many other things involved uh, in the preparation of, of a dish or let's say you you just ate a hamburger it's very tough to basically uh, dictate that onions were the problem but so right now I suspect that they are pretty confident that onions are 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 the problem but again we could actually see more more food being recalled as a result of the investigation uh, that is ongoing still.
1: According to the global article, it says there's been six new cases since the recall, which was July 30th. And that was just originally for the red onions. And those cases were in Saskatchewan and Quebec. Um, the total of 120 cases of salmonella in Canada linked to the onions and they are British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, Quebec, and PEI. So now as of, uh, yesterday or today, they've expanded that into these other yellow, sweet yellow and white onions. So it seems to me that this is moving very quickly in regards to change. Um, sounds pretty typical. It all kind of makes sense, but they clearly don't have their thumb on it just yet. Do they?
7: No, they don't. And uh, when you think of the possible source of uh, of this uh, particular contamination, you can understand that it can actually be quite broad and it can impact many, many products. Um, the probable source is contaminated water uh, coming out of California. And because of climate change, uh, farmers have to get their water from far, far away. And, and so you have to basically use pipelines to... Uh, and pump water out of different watersheds all over the place and get that water to to fields. But often some of these um, sources are actually close to pasture with with live animals. And that's when you actually get to spray crops with contaminated water eventually. That's really what's been going on in California the last few decades. And that's why we're seeing more and more Uh, more recalls like this so what they've done in in California over the last few years is to actually inspect more and test more to make sure that there are no recalls. In 2007 there was this major Spanish recall. Same case, same problem. Uh, A few kids actually died as a result of the recall which is why the industry got together uh, to test more and and apply more rigor to food safety but I, I have to say since 2016, with the election of uh, of the Trump administration, uh, things got soft again a little bit. And we've seen a few problems coming out of California. The Roman lettuce situation uh, last year was one, and this is another one. And these products are really vulnerable because they actually do grow close to the soil or in the soil itself, like onions. Onions don't grow uh, far away from from the soil, and the and the soil is the source of contamination.
1: Now, in uh, you know different seasons of our lives, um, I've spent time in a grocery warehouse packing pallets and doing all the things. I know what the Canadian Food Inspections Agency does um, from, from that perspective of being around and testing things. I know the amount of work in that particular warehouse into washing hands and keeping things clean and every contamination from don't take your phone in in case it breaks and there's glass and all the kinds of things that go into uh, food in Canada is so much stronger than the rest of the world. And this is one thing that I don't understand because you hear stories about heavy rainfall and then runoff from a a livestock pasture into a, a garden and a farm that, that does produce and that kind of contamination. So why is there not a, a radius or a minimum distance between these kinds of farms and operations that would say, look, if you're going to grow lettuce or onions or whatever, you can't have, you know, cows pooping, you know, within X hundred yards or so on.
7: Exactly. It seems obvious, eh? Uh, it, but it But it is, it is a huge problem and, uh, and Force California is very much aware of the problem. It, it boils down to really uh, weak planning, uh, over time over several decades now they're stuck with the problem so instead of uh, of trying to restructure or rejig all of these uh all, all of the land agricultural land all the, what they're trying to do is basically test more and monitor risks as much as as they can but with with climate change it's be, it's becoming more and more challenging for them to keep up so uh, so every now and then you'll see misses here and there, the, 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 the problem that uh, this creates for grocers and, and Canadian farmers is that often consumers will, won't hear uh, the words California onions or onions coming from California. They'll just hear onions. And so all onions will pay a price for this recall. It was the same with Roman lettuce. It didn't matter where the Roman lettuce came from all romaine lettuce were taken off the shelves. And if you spoke to any cane farmers, they actually saw their sales drop significantly because in the media, all you heard was uh, contaminated romaine lettuce. And that's what people heard. And it really impacts everything else.
1: Yeah, it's remarkable to see that. So if you don't know where they came from, toss it. If you are certain that these particular uh, onions – uh, that are quoted here in the global story as um, coming from this particular farm, Thompson International. If they have the sticker and you're clear on that, in theory, you know, absolutely toss them. But if you, you know, that you're from, you know, Steve's farm in British Columbia or, or whatever in Idaho, you know, in theory, you should be okay. Do I understand that correctly?
7: Exactly, exactly. Uh, I mean, the, the, the motto we often use in food safety is if, is if in doubt, throw it out regardless uh, based on information, based on your assessment of the product itself, maybe there's a smell, maybe there it doesn't look fresh. Uh, you, you just have to throw it out. But again, it goes back to the waste, and and it 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 it, may, it makes me think that maybe there are other ways to do this. We just we just finished developing a a, a an app uh, for COVID to protect people, so people can actually download an app and. And, and they will know whether or not they were exposed to, to a person who actually contracted COVID in recent days. And we're still in 2020, we still have no app, which would tell people that they may have bought, purchased a, a product uh, affected by a recall some uh, mm-hmm. of some sort. The technology is there. And instead of just throwing everything out and wasting a lot, I think there are better ways to do this. And of course, the fear factor is, is there too. two people, uh, especially the elderly are very concerned about food safety. And so you wanna protect them as much as possible and as efficient as possible. Right now we have a risk communication system which relies heavily on media. Media has to do its work uh, to convey to the public the risks related to recall. But if you are dealing with a very busy news cycle it's very tough for media or it's, I, I would say it's unfair to ask media to really fit that food recall news in there somewhere when thousands of people are, are, are being injured in a, in a uh, explosion in, in Beirut, for example, and there's also COVID, which is going to be around for a while and people need the information. So it's, we don't really have a good system in place to communicate risk properly in real time to Canadians.
1: Yeah, it seems more natural that the offender would be responsible to, to get the message out there, which, um, would, that's that accountability thing. But when you have different countries with different standards, uh, that also is a problem. And what I also see here becomes the sustainability of Canada and food produce is that we can have the best rules we want in the world. Uh, but we can never have the best food if we're constantly importing the food. Now, of course, there are some, uh, geographical issues on, on some of the different climate things and whatever, but. It sure makes more sense that if Canada had more onion farms, for example, um, then we could at least maintain the standard and not have to rely on lackluster standards down south of the border. I, I just, I guess it's maybe uh, it's one of those. It's simple, but it ain't easy moments, and um, it's remarkable. And I think I'm sure you,
7: I'm sure you know, Shane, why uh, we are importing onions from California. It's because they're cheaper and they're readily available. Um, Canada is good at producing some products, but we are a a, a a northern country. Our agriculture is nowhere near as efficient as as the the agricultural sector you find in Arizona or California. That's the nature of the beast, and of course, there's since the start of COVID, we've we've asked ourselves uh, many questions related to food sovereignty and. And, uh, and reliance on, on our own agriculture. I, and these are really valuable uh, questions, I think. And there's probably some movement coming out of COVID, I think, a lot of people will look at greenhouses and producing more all year round. But for the time being, we have an open economy and I, I, I actually think it's okay to import food from elsewhere because, well, let's face it, Americans actually buy more food from Canada that we buy from them and we rely on, yeah, we rely on these exports to actually make a living and create wealth for ourselves.
1: Yeah, I, you're absolutely right. And greenhouses can't be cheap. I guess that I always ask the question because if Redcliffe, Alberta can kick out truckloads and truckloads of tomatoes every day, like they seem to in uh, the eastern part of Alberta, just one example of many very successful operations. I, I guess I uh, I asked the question of how is it possible of onions of all things. I mean, geez, it's really hard to kill an onion. <laughs> um, they I, even, even after you kill them, they'll still keep growing. So, um, you know, it's, I, I guess... It, it's one of those questions that you know probably needs to be asked, and there's smarter people than me that might have an answer. But I appreciate the time. Uh, Sylvain Charlebois, taking time from his vacation to talk about food safety. He's with Dalhousie University, unless you're in Southern Ontario, in particular Niagara, will you call it Dalhousie. Um Thank you very much, sir.
7: You take care, Shane. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks for listening to the podcast. Tune into the show online or on the radio.
0: Show content and clips from The Shift with Drex. Go to theshiftwithdrex.ca.